起来了Mancast is your weekly adventure into the wilds of masculine spirituality, where we will be hunting for the meaning of manhood, tracking down the intersection of faith and science, uncovering true leadership, and searching for the deep meaning of the history of God's created universe. So strap on your hiking boots, your backpack, grab your compass and map, and let's get rolling. Awesome. Perfect. All right, let's kick it off with a prayer, Dan. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, help us pray well and uh, speak about you and the things that you have for us to speak about today in a uh, thoughtful manner. Amen. Please please bless uh, John as he's at the SPO dinner tonight, and plus Jim, who is running late, and bless Dan and and myself and all of our families and everyone watching. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So uh, a little different this week. Uh, John's at an SPO dinner with uh, Father Han, I think. And uh, Jim said he had something important to do. But, uh, you know, so so I'm here with Dan Boyden, who's the uh, epitome of a man. Um, a saint in the making, without a doubt. He's a wonderful father, a Catholic man, uh, a role model, one of my mentors. He's awesome. So how about we uh, start off with introducing yourself, Dan? Tell us a little bit about you. Thanks, Pete. Quite humbling. Um, yeah, Dan Boyden's the name, as Pete mentioned, and um, father of 11 children. Uh, first, husband of Jody got to say husband of Jody, my greatest uh, accomplishment and maybe even title. Um, and then from that, uh, father of 11 children and <laughs> he's <Yeah>. muted. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, business owner, um, Catholic man, loves the faith. And uh, yeah, got a, been, been on quite a journey. Uh, to where I am today, walking with the Lord and, um, you know, busy life. We homeschool the kids got one, one, the, our oldest child is, uh, married and expecting her second child in May on May the 4th be with you. And, um, so got one beautiful little Charlotte, uh, sweet little granddaughter. And then my second oldest daughter is, going to be getting married this coming year she's just been um just became betrothed uh had a betrothal blessing instead of just the old engagement um so we had a priest good good friend priest came and we celebrated the engagement and he gave them a uh pretty awesome betrothal blessing so they're they're going to be married this coming year at some point they're actually working out those details some of those details tonight they have a meeting uh with pastor so yeah um third oldest sons in seminary and the rest of them are 
are uh, thinking most of the time or playing or screwing off. But um, yeah, that, that's the that's kind of the life right now. But I'm a contractor. I uh, build kitchens and bathrooms and specialize in tile work. And um, yeah, love working with my hands as hopefully as long as I can. Yeah. Yeah, you built that uh, room you're sitting in right there, didn't you? I did. I did. And actually, John had a hand in it. We, um, I always, this, this is St. Joseph's workshop that I'm sitting in. And uh, what, a couple, more than a couple years ago, I guess, I guess right before, so maybe 2019, we had the, no, it, it was, it was the year of 2020 because it was the COVID year. Um, hate even saying that word, but uh, we had the men's lo men's local uh, men's conference here locally, and we asked the, our pastor if we could have it here at my property, and we ended up having about seventy men. Um, and so before that happened, I was already in the process of getting the, the workshop all cleaned up and prepared, and then that really ramped it up. And then John came over, and I took I don't know I took two or three weeks off work which is a rare thing for me. And it was good because it was in the winter. Um, it's always a little more difficult to work in the winter. And we actually had a good bit of snow that year. So uh, it was a little bit of a mess, but John came over for two or three weeks in a row and we worked every day in here, hanging board and uh, wiring things and insulating the place. And it was, it was a blast. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're in the perfect place to talk about St. Joseph tonight. I did a pretty bad inter introduction there with, uh, we're going to be talking about fatherhood and St. Joseph. And uh, obviously from, from what you guys have heard already, there's not really anybody better that we could get a hold of to talk about that with us tonight. Thanks for showing up also, Jim. We're glad you're here. <laughs> Sorry. <I'm... laughs> it's okay. <man. laughs> Try to sneak in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right on. All is well. It's all well. All well. Good stuff. Good to see you, Dan. Dan. Good to see you, Jim. Can you guys hear me good? Because I've got my um, I didn't I didn't get my ear my ear things uh, attached or, or uh. Sang. Yeah, you sound great. You sound okay. good, man. Yep. Cool. So, Dan, what was it like for you uh, growing up? What was your childhood like in your family life? Yeah, I guess my I just jumped straight into my current life. Um, but yeah, I'm from a, a family of 12 or nine boys and three girls and um, raised in a, a Catholic home, a very Catholic home. And um, yeah, went to Catholic schools. We all did up through the years. I mean, I don't know how mom and dad did it, but I, I guess a lot of help. And we worked I and mean, we cut the grass out of the, at, at the grounds at Fisher Catholic for years. Um, I had a little mowing business. My, my brother and I did when I was in my uh, mid-teens, and it seemed, you know, it was a, I, I remember times where it was a little odd that we were working out there all the time, and, and my friends and people saw us, and was, uh, they probably didn't think anything of it, but sometimes I was a little, you know, I don't know if I was embarrassed, but just, we were, we were working, we were spreading mulch, we were weed whacking, we were, we had, we were cutting the football fields, and, and uh, just really working to help make ends meet, I think, um, but then we also had a, a mowing business outside of that. So it seemed kind of normal, but um, we had everything we needed growing up. It was a very rowdy, rowdy household growing up with eight brothers. Um, some of the wow. brothers, 
Yeah, some of the brothers don't remember living with the other brothers because just because of the mm -hmm. time gap uh, of my, I mean, there's like a 22 year, 22 year plus difference between my, my oldest brother, Terry, and my youngest brother, Nick. So, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I'm realizing that in my home now, like I, I know my little three-year-old Francesca won't remember ever living with Isabella. And, and it's, and it's strange. In fact, Lillian's fiance, Isaac, I mean, she's very close to him. She calls him I, I, and, uh, I mean, she's going to remember him more than she does Isabella being around. And that that's, and I, and I, I'm now remembering some of my childhood because I remember my younger brothers, um, remember the in-laws being around a lot, especially the, you know, the, the brother-in-laws from the sisters. Cause they, the sister, the, the, the daughters seem to stick around a little bit more. Um, so yeah, really great, great, uh, childhood from what I can remember. I do, I do struggle remembering a, a lot of, um, my childhood, but I do know that we, um, we prayed every night as a family, uh, which I've carried on in my family, which has been a beautiful thing. And I've witnessed that to many men who now, uh, bless their children at night and, uh, pray with their kids as much as possible. And we, we say some of the same prayers every night that I said, growing up and, uh, there was still a disconnect. I think most, mo I would say most of the children at some point fell away from the church for a, a period of time. And I did myself certainly uh, for, I would say, you know, more than 10 years because I, I think even in my high school years, I, I don't feel like I was, I mean, I was going to a Catholic school and stuff, but mm -hmm. I probably would have done anything not to go to mass at that point um, and probably did skip mass and, sneak in and grab a bulletin to prove that we were there. Uh, I may, may or may not have done that. Um, Get your mass receipt. That <laughs> yeah, got work for me. Yeah. And mom would say, make sure you bring home a bulletin, you know, and yeah, we'll grab one. As we're, as we're rolling by. Um, get one from the old lady walking down the street. But, uh, and then I really started coming back around to the faith uh, after we started having some children. Uh, we had the children baptized and, and then, and then still probably a little sporadic until, um, you know, maybe, uh, Isabella was a few years old. And so this would have been about 17 years ago. I think I would have started really, um, diving in more. Uh, there was a number of different things that, that kind of propelled that. And interestingly enough, um, one was the same book that grabbed a hold of Jim's heart, uh, pierced by a sword um, that was handed to me by my brother and uh, that book rocked my world and that was I'd say the the turning point for me um, I say first it was the man my brother uh, my brother Adam who was also he was in seminary and then he ended up discerning out he was with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal for a bit and I really admired his life of holiness and I think his peace and just his um he was comfortable in his own skin and uh, he pressed me. I was his uh, confirmation sponsor and I was 22 years old at the time when, when he was confirmed. And I didn't even, re didn't even remember that I was his confirmation sponsor. Um, <clears throat> I was at a time of my life, college partying and, and, and years later he was like, can you believe that you were my confirmation sponsor? And I'm like, what? <laughs> Like, yeah. like, I don't even know your confirmation saint name. It's like, I, I don't even remember that. And I, and I still don't remember 
like being there with him. And it, and it, it pains me, but it's just, you know, part of, part of my story. But I, I couldn't believe that. I'm like, wow. So, you know, God knitted Adam and I together pretty tightly. And now as he's had children, um, he's got four kids and, um, you know, we've not grown apart, but we don't talk as much and we're in a men's group together and whatnot, but, uh, we have, you know, we have our own families and it's, it's, it's busy, but, uh, yeah, he is one of the, the great catalysts, uh, for me and my, my turn back toward the Lord. And, uh, and then that book certainly rock, rocked my world, father Chet and all, all the, I, I want to read it again. I, I almost bought it the other day and I, I need to, I don't know. I think I probably gave it to somebody over the years. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to read it again. And I think that that might really take me down memory lane from where I actually sat and read the book. And I think it'll, it'll jog some, some good memories for me. So I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, I really enjoyed doing that, going back and rereading. Like we just got to reread Seven Habits. That was good. A lot of uh, good reminders in there as why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, I didn't even have to read that. I started listening to it once you guys started the, uh, so that I could act like I, or, or maybe follow along, but you guys did such a great job. I, I, I stopped listening to it. And, uh, well, thank you. So I, I, I don't, I, I just listened to the introduction and got into the first habit barely. And then, yeah, and I'm, I'm just busy. So, um, I'll pick it up, finish it one of these days. So how was your how was your dad in particular growing up? Was he so it sounds like you guys were all really, really busy. Was he busy too and working a lot home? I mean, he had how many yeah. kids did you say? Eight brothers, nine of you guys? Yeah, nine boys and three girls. And and dad worked wow. a lot. Um, he became disabled to work. Now it's funny, he did become disabled to work where he couldn't work physically anymore for a business. He owned his own business. Um uh, had some struggles with that, but he became, he was in a car accident and, uh, his shoulders got really messed up. His shoulders were messed up for a long time before that. He, he was a, um, he was a, a master electrician and, and still is, his mind is sharp as a tack. So he still comes on my jobs and helps me, uh, troubleshoot stuff. Uh, you know, we turn the power off and then he tells me what to do and I do it. And then we turn the power back on. He, he does stuff hot. I don't, um, <laughs> I, I, I jolted twice, so it's not good. But uh, yeah, so he's still. I mean, the the man loved loved and loves working with his hands, and he's and he's in, he's seventy eight years old, and um, you know, he's most of his brothers uh, didn't die young, but I think in their the, the oldest was maybe in in his mid seventies, and a couple of them were were in their sixties, and with you know, heart conditions and, and stuff that runs through the family. And, um, but dad's 78. So he's out, he's outlived. I think, uh, everyone except for maybe his, maybe his mom who maybe died at 81. Um, but he is, he's doing great. And he's, you know, he's had, I think nine shoulder surgeries. Um, wow. he's had everything operated on his body, but he gets up every day. The, the man's praying the liturgy, the hours every day. Um, He's just a, he's a great man. He, he, like John's father struggled with alcoholism. He's been sober. I'm going to say 22, 23, I don't know, 23, 24 years. Um, so that, that was, there's stuff there and that, that I saw and witnessed, um, didn't shake me too bad. I think the, um, the sobering up 
and I, I he, he he did a great job of hiding that from us. Uh, maybe not hiding the drinking, but hiding the the, the grip that the drinking had on him. And um, so he did. He quit drinking and watching him. He's always been the same guy for me. Uh, he was a great man, even when he was drinking. But it was it was rough on my mom and 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 again, pro- probably a lot of childhood memories that that I, I block out, but they, they were all the sporting events and, and we all played two and three sports a piece. And I don't know how they wow. did all, uh, we, we, our kids don't play sports. Um, they play music and they play in the yard and, and, you know, but, but I don't know how, I don't know how they chased us all around. They, they probably didn't. We probably got on bikes and we went to, went to the events and that, you know, there was, there were so many of us going so many directions. There were four of us in high school at, at the same time for a number of years. Um, so yeah, just a lot going on, but, but dad was always, um, very present, very involved in scouts. I was a, I'm an Eagle scout and so are, uh, five of my brothers. So the six of the nine became Eagle scouts and dad was the scout master for maybe 20 years, um, toward the end of my scout career. And then he was involved with my brother, Chris, Dominic, um, Adam and Nicholas were all Eagle scouts as well. Um, so yeah, he was, he was the scout master for them. And, 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 and for me as a, as an adult scout. And, um, so he was super involved in that and yeah, he was a, he's been a great role model, I think more now than, than ever. And maybe because I just wasn't paying attention so much as a, uh, young man, as a teenager, um, didn't, didn't understand quite the, the gravity of, fatherhood and uh again you just get lost in a huge family uh, with all that's going on um but what you know in his recovering years in his sober years uh watching him has been a, a real a beautiful thing and it's and it's wonderful I mean, he's a he's an impatient guy you know he's he he, he thinks he thinks he's patient but he's not and uh it's, it's great uh it's great i remember father han at it, Jim at your dad's funeral. I mean, he was, he was giving the, the, the homily and Brant looks at me and goes, dad, should I ask him for a copy of this homily for you when you die? I'm like, it was me. I mean, your dad was like, it was, it was, it was a beautiful thing. I was listening to him speak and I, I just kept looking over at Brant and he would just smile because he's like, Oh wow, this guy, father Han is describing you dad. Um, and I think that describes my dad too. I'm a lot, I, I'm Dan Jr. He's Dan Sr. And everybody thinks it's, it's weird that they, they had, you know, I'm, I'm number seven. So they, I'm, I'm the fourth boy. And then there were five more boys under me. Um, and that they waited for me to, to call me Daniel. And, and, and everyone says I'm the most like dad. So I consider that a compliment. So he's a, Big, big shoes to fill. I think in the world of big, big shoes to fill in the way of um, continuing to love through the struggle, the man, they they struggled. My parents really, really struggled um, at different times for him physically, but financially um, just a ton of beautiful stories of how God came to the raid in so many ways. Uh, But they always struggled, you know, Um, and it was hard on their pride and, um, they, they, they really did. And it's, it's amazing because 
right now they, they, they don't need anything. They, they feel like they have everything. They have like, Ooh, I don't know how many, 57, 58 grandchildren. Um, wow. And it's a, it's a beaming with life. And to, to think that they ever wanted for anything in life, um, it's hard to imagine because they, you know, people look at them and they're just like, wow, they've, they've, they've got everything. Um, so yeah, it, I think a beautiful, beautiful childhood. And, you know, I could probably talk for days on days on end with the, uh, over the relationships and, uh, with mom and dad, and, but yeah, a really good, fruitful, um, prayerful. My friends would come over, stay overnight. They always remember telling stories of, remembering praying you know we because we prayed every single night every prayed i mean i'm sure there was a night or two here and there just like at my house uh where we won't pray um and i'll just give the kids a blessing but but almost my kids won't remember missing a prayer night here and there they'll they'll grow up and say we prayed every night because that's that's really close to reality um and i and i received that from my mom and dad it's a great gift yeah yeah, I remember being blessed as a kid too by my dad. That was a one that stayed with me for sure. That's awesome. And it's it's cool how like we pass those things on to our kids like you're saying. Like I like I bless my kids before they go to bed. And sometimes I'll bless them and my daughter will be like, "Yo, dad, you didn't bless me." I'll be like, "I just I'll be like, "Come here. Never mind. Just come here. Get another one for that." You know, it's awesome. Yeah, you so, forget <laughs> you. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So how do you think that your dad, I mean, like it obviously sounds like he impacted your fatherhood today in a lot of ways and he still does, but what do you think some of the biggest ways that he did that were and still are? Hmm. Um, I'm going to, I mean, so he named, he and mom named, um, I think six of the nine boys, Joseph for middle name. And, um, and I didn't really think too much of Joseph or didn't think too much of Joseph. I mean, we'd go to rosary rallies. They were a part of Marian groups. They were Benedict and Oblates. Um, so we were always doing these things. We'd be going to the May crownings out at their friend's house and it, just all the Fatima parties. And it was just like, so, I mean, some of it was just like too much. I, I felt like growing up. Um, and, but, you know, but Saint and it's and no great love for Saint Joseph. I mean, he'd be in our litany at night or whatever, but you know, never prayed to Saint Joseph, didn't say any Saint Joseph prayers, but we were mm -hmm. all named after Joseph. Um that I that I, I'm gonna I would say is maybe the greatest thing that mom and dad did because I don't know I don't know if I would have the love that I do for Joseph if they had not named um, six of us, Joseph, and maybe it just took a long time for me, more than 28 years. So I started coming back to the faith at 28 years old and really just started discovering Joseph maybe four or five years ago. Um, wow. And, um, but he's, of course he's always been there, but I, I think that would be the greatest gift because I, I dearly love St. Joseph and, and it's, and it's really, it's fun and, and it's empowering to love him. And, um, I love arguing about his holiness with people and, you know, uh, <laughs> his role and, and, what, and what he can, what he does for us and what he shows us. So I think that's maybe the greatest gift. And then again, like I said before, loving through the struggle, 
Um, I don't feel mm-hmm. like I'll probably ever struggle. Maybe I will. I don't know what the Lord's plan is for me. We've, we have struggled. I mean, we lost a, a baby at 38 weeks, 37 and a half weeks, <clears throat> the beautiful, you know, baby Jude Christopher, who was, you know, he was 22 inches long and eight pounds. And, and, um, we delivered this child that, that wasn't alive and, um, he died in, in the womb. Um, man, Jody knew, knew what had happened in the morning. And, um, and we went up there and endured that and, <clears throat> excuse me, um, we had to have a funeral and a little casket. I mean, the whole nine yards and wouldn't, wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. I look back now. And if you're like, you know, if you're doing it all over again, would that be a part of the story? And it would, is, I, I hope I would say yes. Um, because that, that's been, that's been a great, Jude has been a great intercessor for us and, um, our children, I think, look at life, look at death differently. We look at death and, and life differently. Um, we've been able to help other couples, talk to other couples. People wonder like, how in the heck did you get through that? Um, and it's of course, by the grace of God, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade, trade any of that. There, and there's so many stories. I mean, there's some fantastic stories that, uh, I, I can't, I can't even tell without crying my eyes out. They're just beautiful. It's like the Lord. I mean, I mean, like there's a story that was said that, that culminated maybe seven years after it, uh, after that incident. So this was in, uh, Jude passed in what, 2000 and he would be 13. Uh, so uh, what, 2009. Um, and seven years later, there was this incredible fruit, um, and the Lord, like on a, in a, in a single moment showed us like the tapestry, the finished work, part of the finished work. You know, uh, we, we, we were like, it was, it was clear it was on his day, um, on June 11th. And the Lord was just like, see, look, look at, look at how I'm working here. Uh, and it was in a moment with another woman. Um, and it, it was just, and there's been so many stories. It's kind of a long story It'd be for another time. But um, yeah, it's just it's just been great. So we have we have struggled uh, some, and but again, I don't. I almost feel like uh, I don't want to uh, belittle that struggling because that was that was a beautiful one. But um, yeah, Dad and Mom really taught us how to how to love through the struggle. They loved, and they and they when they were hurting really bad, um, they loved really well. And I think that's like the testament of a saint that you can glorify God in the in the hard times. And um, kind of like Job, no, they never were stripped like Job was, but yeah, uh, <laughs> something else, dude. <laughs> yeah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's like, okay, this guy's he's, he's brilliant. <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm not wishing for crosses, but I, I know that the Lord provides the grace needed during hard times. Um, yeah, he's a very, very faithful God. So that's, that's kind of, I think the big takeaway from mom and dad that they, they've always kept a beautiful faith, even in the midst of great trial. That's awesome. So without, I mean, obviously you have had great trial and uh, you have one saint in heaven already and one in seminary. That's pretty cool, man. So how, how do you, uh, how did you tackle this? So like you were like flaky with the faith when you started having kids kind of right, but you decided to get them baptized. And then it was like on and off you were saying for a little bit. And then 
what was the turning point when you went all in? Mm, um, again, this is part, and I've got my journal here. Um, a couple of things I would share about St. Joseph at some point. Uh, and I, yeah, I, I asked God to like reveal, and I've got some, I'm not going to look for it now, but um, I've asked him to like help, help me remember um, what happened. Cause I don't know. I mean, I don't remember like this. So pierced by a sword, that was big. Um, yeah. And that, and it was, that was big for me, maybe going to mass. And I think that maybe spurred in me and I don't know how it affected you, Jim, but like, did that scare the hell out of me? Maybe. Um, and I was like, <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to go to hell, you know, and this is a real thing. So I think the reality of hell may, maybe was brought about in that book. Um, there's stories of heroic virtue in that book. Um, and so I, I don't know, but I think, I think, and, and possibly uh, that might've been a spurring for um, a fear of the Lord, the wrong kind of fear of the Lord, not the fear of awe, but uh, a fear of hell. And I think that's a good place to start. If that gets you going to church, great. Go to church because you don't want to go to hell. And then you can learn about mortal sin and venial sin and culpability and, and all these things and start going to confession. And I, I do remember my first confession after years of not going to confession. So now you're, now I'm in the confession and, you know, if anyone that's listening, um, I don't know if anyone is listening. Maybe it'd be better if they weren't, but uh, sometimes it's a little dicey <laughs> and I get a little intimate. So it's sorry. But, uh, so, so you can confess in the sense of, of, you know, masturbation and contraception and um, premarital sex and and, and, and and all the things that, that you years go by and, and pile up. And none of it mattered or, or meant anything to me at the time. Uh, but then, you know, the Lord was stirring my conscience and all of a sudden this desire to confess these sins. And I became a became really close to a priest at, at St. Mary and, um, and Father Don Franks. And I, I remember the day that I was at a, at a Christmas party at my uh, my wife's grandmother's house. And Saturday afternoon, we're, we're probably getting ready to start drinking and carrying on. And it's maybe get three thirty or four o'clock. And I'm just like, I got to go. She's like, what? I'm like. I, I'll be back. And I drove up to St. Mary's to go to confession, my first real one. And and I left the party um, and I walked into the church. There were some people in there in line. And and I when I, let, I walked back out of the church and I was just like heart racing, like, I can't believe I'm going to do this. Maybe I was working for the church a little bit at the time. So, you know, this man esteems me. He, he thinks I'm great. Uh, I'm a fraud. You know, I feel like I'm a fraud. I was... Um, I was, I was, you know, I'd smoke and pop back in the day. And, 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 and even as a, a little bit a part of that in the beginning of the journey and felt like a fraud, didn't feel like, um, only having a lot of kids and I'm thinking, you know, people see me at church or see me one way or another. And, um, so my conscience was just being formed, I think. And so anyways, went, went, finally went in there. It's just like, I'm just doing this. And, and I went in there and just poured my heart out and sobbed like a baby. And, um, and, and that, that was a, a beautiful memory that I'll always cherish. And, uh, and the, God's mercy there through him was just uh, tender and beautiful. And um, yeah, there's, there's so much. I was just talking about this with some men yesterday that uh, they were talking about how we got to train young people to, to own it. You know, you got to own it. You got to own it. I'm like, it, it's not that simple. No one's going to own anything if they haven't tasted the sweet mercy of God. 
this world is a vengeful world. You know, you do something wrong, you're going to get canceled. You do, you're going to get fired. You're going to get yelled at. Um, if we can, you know, if we can combat that with being steward stewards of God's God, the father's mercy, that's the answer. And we do that through our fatherhood, um, that our children will not fear us. Um, and, and there will be no barrier there that they will, they won't hide like Adam and Eve. They'll come out of hiding and, um, and not be afraid to come to their father. And, um, I, I still, you know, I still have that. I still fear that sometimes when I, when I'm going to confession and confessing some hard stuff, uh, and I was with a priest, you know, just not too long ago and I, and I, and I'm confessing the sin of pride and I'm, I'm like, you know, I know, I feel like you're, you're going to look at me differently. And he said, always more, always more. He goes, you come in here and give me grace. He goes, this is what I'm waiting for every time. He goes, so he goes, Dan, I'll never think less of you. I don't care what you ever tell me because it's always more. Um, and I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And, um, yeah, so God's mercy is just, it's extravagant. And, um, yeah, that's, that's, so I think that's what I've been like to maybe to answer your question, I think back to that, if I was actually staying on track here, um, like how, how do you manage? How do I manage? It's all by the grace of God. Uh, I do think I'm doing something with my children way differently than my parents did. Not that they did things wrong, um, or ineffective. They did plenty of things ineffective. We're all very convinced that, you know, a lot of people say, oh, how'd your mom and how are your mom and dad? What, how, how, what they, they, they did as good, good a job as they could with what they had. That's just not true. Um, it's not true. Our parents fail us. Our parents failed us many times, sometimes on purpose, out of selfishness. I've done, I've failed my children. I haven't always done the best that I could. Um, but I think the difference might be, you know, the, my kids hear me say, I'm sorry. They, I, I'm probably more apologetic than anyone in the home. And they see a broken man. They've seen me, they've seen me broken many times. And they've seen me angry and they've also seen great mercy. Um, they've seen great um, humility at times. Def definitely not all the time. A lot to work on there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, you know that that's that's part of it. And I and I think like Brant is such a he's a sweet young man. He's an awesome man. And I would I'd love I, I will take some credit um, for who he is. I, I have to. Uh, I'd, I'd, it'd be selfish not to. I think, you know, humility is not, it's not, well, you know, all glory to God. Yes, it is all glory to God, but uh, I think it was maybe Therese or maybe it was Teresa of Avila. Somebody said, if a flower could speak, what would it say? And it would simply speak of, of the marvelous things that the Lord has done for it without hiding any of its beauty. And that's, I mean, that's humility. It's like humility is like realizing your greatness. Like I am, I am great because I am a son of God made in his image and likeness. And that's why I'm great. I fail miserably at times. Sure. But humility is like accepting, um, not hiding any of that God has given you, um, and, and sharing that with, with everyone that you come in contact with and they'll see God for that. They won't see you if you, if you do that well. And sometimes, you know, of course, People see me because I'm an idiot, but, but I <laughs> they should be seeing him. 
and, and, and when they encounter me. And, and I, I, I hope that's the goal most of the time. But, uh, but yeah, I think I've been imparting that pretty well to my kids. That's something uh, St. Joseph was a pro at, for sure. Mm-hmm. When we see him, we look right at the Father, you know what I mean? He just kind of like chilled in the background the whole time, all of Jesus's life. Not a lot said about him or anything <laughs> in the Bible. And like, you know, he's like the man. So let's talk a little bit about that, Dan. I know you've been wanting to. I could now. So this could go on for like days. Um, <laughs> great St. Joseph. So first thing, I think part of my goal and mission in life um, is to help men uh, come to understand why St. Joseph needs to be their favorite patron saint. Just as simple as that. There can't be another. Um, so if somebody says like, who's your favorite saint to a girl or to a woman? It's like, I think a lot of people say, well, other than Mary, because Mary doesn't count, right? Cause she's this super queen of heaven and earth. So she's not really a saint. We don't say St. Mary. She is a saint. Um, and it goes the same for Joseph. We don't, if somebody says, who's your favorite saint? I would say, well, after St. Joseph. Uh, and then I have a number of, of awesome saints. Maximilian Colby, Padre Pio, love, love some of these more modern day saints and, um, and some of the saints past. But, but it's, it's got to be after Joseph because he is the epitome of, um, he would have been the image of, of God the Father for, for God himself. And that's something that we can't even get our heads um, that he would be the living image of the father for Jesus. And when Jesus says, when you hear me, you hear the father. When you see me, you see the father. He's not just talking about God, the father. He's talking about Joseph because Joseph was his father. And everyone in, in the lands would have known, known Joseph to be the father of Jesus. Uh, we know in hindsight that the son of God is the son of the, the, the heavenly father but also the, the son of Joseph, um, not foster their stepson, you know, foster father and all, and all these things. I, I don't think Joe, Jesus is in heaven saying, you know, what's up stepdad or foster father, um, <laughs> father, we would call him father. And he was perfectly obedient to Joseph. Um, so the ramifications for that are great. And he was silent, but I, I want to read something. I think I wrote this. Uh, November 23rd in 2021. And it says, and this was spurred on. Jody and I were talking one day and she said, why do you love St. Joseph so much? And I think if we come to love him, so I said, dare we love him so much? Um, The father's generosity is overwhelming. The gift of St. Joseph given to us is given to us to elevate and dignify the office of father. Um, the fa- fatherhood is, it, it's not, uh, what is it? It's, it's, it's not only generous in that it, it, that it's given to each man uh, or that Joseph is given to each man as a, a path and a purpose shows us the path and the purpose, but also, um, this gift of fatherhood has incredible implications and it, and it calls all of us as men to return, uh, to return to the one father each and every soul entrusted to us, spotless, blameless, and holy. And he was called to do that to, for Jesus. He was the savior of the savior. You know, he, he saved God's life. And, um, and his mission was to return 
the son to the father. Um, and he did it well. He died. Um, and, you know, I think he was gloriously assumed, but I'm not allowed to. You know, <laughs> they maybe. I'm not saying that, that happened. It's not, not a heretical moment here. Um, I was arguing with a guy the other day, so I told him that I was going to say something heretical in here. That's not heretical. <laughs> not, not a, other saint, other than me. <laughs> there have been saints and theologians that have speculated this for centuries. Not so. This is not some Dan Boyden crazy crazy idea. But um, yeah, it, it's fatherhood has in Saint Joseph has been elevated to an incredible to an incredible thing. Um, it's the office. You know, Mary doesn't. She's not called by any title of God. We share in one of the titles of God uh, that, Ju that Jesus came to reveal. Jesus came to reveal God as Father, not as Yahweh or Adonai or these old th this God that you know is untouchable. Or but God as Father, and because He calls Him Father, and we are men, we have been we have been called to partake in this incredible office that's been elevated by by Jesus Himself. Um, and it, and it, and, and it's got some major, major ramifications. If we take that seriously, uh, if our mission is to return any, any soul, um, even like, a, you know, John and I were talking the other day, he's, he's not a biological father, but I mean, he is an incredible father figure to me. And I know so many, so many other young men from all walks of life, from seminary, from, I mean, your, your, your brother, father, father Han, uh, you name it, he's, he's impacted many, many people in his life and they would say he is an incredible father figure. So just since father is man and, and, and God is father, um, we can't get away from that. It doesn't matter if you're single, doesn't matter if you're a priest, obviously matters even more. Um, but we can't get away from, from that name. And, and we, and we have this incredible role model in Joseph who was the most of all things, you know, um, Mary, Mary is most chaste. Well, Joseph is also most chaste. And I think it's important that we remember that this is the only union where this kind of makes sense. And I've explained this is, a, I think, a really good analogy. Uh, and, and why it matters is um, if, if, if Jim's got the tallest, the tallest pine tree in the world on his property, like measure it, Jim. He's like, I, so he gives me the measurement down to the 32nd of an inch. When I measure this tree in my yard, I'm like, Jim, I think I got it. I think I got a taller tree. We find out that they're both the exact same height. Well, neither one of us have the tallest or the most tallest tree anymore. We both have one of the two tallest trees. So scientifically, it doesn't even make sense that there can be two most of anything. There's only one most, uh, God most high. But in Jesus and Joseph and, and Mary's life, they both share almost every title, you know, other than uh, titles that have to do with their, their gender. Uh, all of, all of the, the, the highest virtues, they both are most of uh, called by the church. And, and because of that, I can be the most important person in my children's life and my wife is also the most important person in, in, in her children's life and in my children's life. And we both have an equal uh, duty and role. She is greater than me. 
by virtue of her by virtue of her womanhood because woman is the the last things were still weren't right in the creation story it wasn't good that adam was alone adam was there and he was good but it wasn't good that he was alone and then the pinnacle of all creation being woman uh the the bearer of life uh is given to us and so Mary is the, the pinnacle of all creation. Woman, woman is the pinnacle of all creation. But we are the great life givers. Like God gave that life to the world and to woman and to man. We, uh, women, they don't, they bear life and we give life like the father. So what does that mean? It's like, that seems like a lot. It, it means that we have to be like, what will I bring home for my, my wife nurtures my children, um, what will I feed my children when I come home? What do, how will I sustain them? Um, how will I give them life? Other than the, the very life that along with Jody and God uh, gave them in the first place, how will I continue to give them life and to nurture and to, to, to give them the nutrients. And that, that's where um, I think the voice of the father is incredibly important. The very voice of the father, my, my breathing, breathing, you know, life-giving words in, into, into my children's lives. Uh, and th that's a great breakdown in society today. The, the devil's been working against manhood since the, the beginning. Um, and, you know, I think St. Joseph is, is going to help teach us how to take that back. And, and I think that, I think that there's a, you know, I've really uh, taken on something, I guess I love talking about sexual purity and, um, and, and I was talking to a priest the other day and struggling, I'm, you know, struggling with some impure thoughts. And, and I'm like, I love the idea of chastity, the idea of purity. And he's like, yes, but we also, we also like to sin or we wouldn't do it. And um, that's a really tough pill to swallow uh, because I, I want to be so chaste and, um, God has granted me great times of chastity in my life. And, and then, and I've had great struggles and falls. And I, I think that, you know, just continually focusing on the Lord and giving him glory for the times of purity and chastity and, and never giving up. Um, and, you know, getting into the whole Joseph and chastity thing is, is that's a whole nother wonderful thing to talk about. But, but I think this is an area where men are in jail. Men don't are not able to talk about it. I think that, uh, starting with your family, your children, you know, I've been the, I've been the voice that have taught my children about their body parts, how they were made when they get to the time, the actual, the actual act, how that, how that has happened, um, the, how, how impurity will try to manifest itself in their life with, with Brant at a, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, how, how that might happen and come and how to protect against that. And then what struggles have come to be there as not the, angry father or the, how could you do that? But, uh, open arms and, and take them to the Lord for the grace of confession. And they're not afraid of me. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, I used to be a man that you would be afraid of. Maybe you guys wouldn't be, but young kids would be because I was, a, I wasn't, uh, angry, impatient, very, very angry and impatient for a long time in my life. And I think a lot of people remember me that way, but you know, I, I, I rebuke that now. I'm not that way anymore. I, I, I am that way sometimes, but um, I really have allowed the Lord to, I, I think I'm a patient 
I think I'm a very patient man now. And I, I want to be, you know, I want to be, Joseph was called the mirror of patience. And there's no one more patient than God. He literally mirrors God in his patience. And we as fathers need to mirror God in our patience best that we can. Um, and when we fail, we need to say we're sorry. And, uh, but if our children can see that, they'll never, they'll never walk away from it. It's the safest place in the world. There's so much freedom to, to be able to not be afraid to go, even when we've been humiliated by, by our own sin and ingratitude. Uh, there's so much freedom to be able to, to not be afraid of God and, and to be able to really see pride trying to take over and, and just keep racing back to the sacraments. And if we can teach our children, they'll never stray away from God. And that's all we want is our children to walk with the Lord. So when, when they lose a Jude Christopher or when they think that the world is crashing in on them, you know, they'll, they'll have the strength because I can't help them. Uh, my daughter was crying the other night about something and she was sitting in her car and listening to music. And I laid down beside her and tears are just running down her face. I just kept wiping. And she said, dad, you don't need to wipe every tear out of my eye. I said, I'll wipe every tear out of your eye as long as I'm laying here, but I can't, I can't, I can't prevent them from happening. You know, I can't fix this, but I'll keep wiping the tears. Um, and it's just a beautiful uh, tenderness, I think, that the Lord has put on my heart uh, for fatherhood. And uh, I want my kids when I die. It's like I, I literally can be brought to tears. I think about my funeral someday. And, you know, I've been to a lot of funerals. I love going to funerals, mostly for the luncheons afterwards and the chicken and the... <laughs> Same. Same. Always the like, yes. That's right. <laughs> Pie. I'm in. <laughs> I'm like, I, you know, I'm not afraid of death. Kill me quick. Right. But, um, I, I truly, I love, I love the idea of thinking about my death and, um, you know, and, and I don't carry a skull around with me or anything, but I do, I've been to a lot of funerals and I, I've been to funerals for people that maybe weren't the greatest people in my estimation or some other people's estimation, but when you die, you know, you get all the, Oh, he was great and this and that. And, you know, and, and I don't know how much of all that is really true about every person, but I do want to be called. I, I do want my children to get up there and say, you know, there's, there's a million stories. He, he was, he was the most merciful man I've, I've ever known. Um, that, I want to be, I want to be maybe uh, it would be nice that, that I, I got a couple of those virtues of, of, of St. Joseph um, under my hat and that my children recognize that. And, and hopefully then, you know, maybe die a saint or probably purgatory for a bit. But um, yeah, there's, there's so Aim much. high. I love them. Yeah. One thought that came to me while you were talking about St. Joseph is like, what would it be like to be the dad? Like, hey, you're responsible for God as a human child, you know? And like, what if we acted like that's what God gave us? as our responsibility as like, because essentially, I mean, like it's almost the same level of importance, if not more, because his, because Jesus was raised to die for each and every one of us. Right. So he gave, God gave his only son for everybody that we are responsible for as fathers. So like we're, we have a lot, it's a lot more severe than like, I have thought about before this podcast to be completely honest with you. And well, like just you talking about it has opened that up in my mind. Like, wow, 
like that makes it a lot easier to serve, you know, it changes must, the game. When they're baptized, they're like, you know, yeah, that's my kid up there or over here or whatever. No, it's not mine. Um, this is the, this is the, the parable of the talents. It's all these parables of, the, yeah. of, of these gifts and the stewardship of, of God's gifts. Everything is a gift from God. Even the trials in life uh, are a gift. Uh, but the second these children are baptized, they're called children of God. So who's more important? Dan, dad, or father God, dad? Uh, I'm second fiddle. And I hate to even say second. Joseph is, you know, he's a spiritual father to, to everyone. As, as Mary is the spiritual mother of all the living. Joseph, their flesh, they're, they have a covenantal marriage. It's like they are one flesh. Um in and, and and they're not only one flesh that like our one flesh union with our our, our brides is you know comes comes to a, a sweet joining in in that in that and culmination in the in the marital act their union is made one flesh in the flesh of Jesus Christ that's that that's a, a, a way more intimate union than we could ever uh, that's a heavenly union and we just get a taste of that here on earth they they would have never thought about any kind of uh, their foretaste of heaven was the Lord Jesus. Um, they, they lived, you know, this beautiful Trinitarian formula in like the tabernacle of the home at Nazareth. And, and the fact that we have children that are called children of God, well, they are God's children. And, you know, we, we hear, you know, if you, you know, dare not give them a glass of water, but I think that's like if you dare not like live a righteous life and do everything you can to teach them um, where the, the what the way, the truth and the life is and where the freedom from the anxiety and stress and the culture and the, the pain, uh, not, not, you know, not something that will shield them from the pain, but something that will help them endure the pain that will come in life if we don't teach them that. Yeah, it's better that we would don't know it at all, because if we know even a bit of it, and we fail to to take that mission seriously, you know, we 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 will taste the fires of hell. There'd be no question. I hate to end on. I mean, I can't end on a bad note like that. <laughs> no, I think that's a good note. A job, I don't think that's bad at all. You know, it's important. Yeah, here's the responsibility. You know. Jim, you haven't said anything all night. What's up? I've been too busy. Think. Yeah, I've been too busy taking notes. So, <laughs> um, yeah, there was one thing that you said, Dan, that I that really struck me that I wanted to to touch on. And just say, you know, thank you for talking about it. it. Was just the fact that you know when your kids come to you, you're not this this angry, vengeful person, you know, in the face of their sins. And to me, that really images the father. And I think we do well to, to remember that ourselves, that whenever we fall, he's not there to smite us. He's there like, you know, like the prodigal son, his father to welcome us back and bring us back. And he's always asking us to come back. So when you said that, I just, I just love that, uh, that suggestion or that image. And another thing you were talking about was, you know, and I think a lot of men struggle with this is the idea of um, being a fraud you know, what do you say to someone who's, you know, I'm trying, but, you know, maybe I'm not doing it right. What do you, how, what advice would you give to somebody who's got that imposter Catholic syndrome and 
to move them further down the field, I guess? Uh, so I've got two, two, well, one married child and, and a child that's engaged and by the grace of God. And, and this is what I love to talk to men about. Like, I think this is like maybe the most important thing. Um, and I, and, and there's a lots of different ways that I've done it and, and, and it gets deep and it gets, you know, sometimes your face will blush, but my daughter's, my daughter came to me the other night and it's like, dad, we're really, really struggling with purity. She can come to me and, um, and, 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 it's, and, and t- so to answer that question, it's, and she's able to do that because uh, she understands that, that, and they just got engaged and she, she even came to me and she goes, I thought we were going to, you know, have this perfectly pure engagement, like, and that we weren't going to fall and we weren't going to struggle. I'm like, well, that would be weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I said, goodness. Um, I said, well, you know, she's like going to going to go to confession again tonight. And I was like, there's your hope. You have hope that, that you get a that you get to go to. I mean, you, you you cry on my shoulder about this. You are truly sorry. That's all the Lord needs is a contrite heart. Uh, now go and hear those beautiful words of absolution and get up tomorrow and start again. It's hard to do that. I've I have. Uh, had struggles with purity, and then and then I get a phone call. This oh oh gosh, this, this I know we're running low on time, but I'm going to tell a quick story. Um, I had a I had a, a, a real struggle with purity one time, um, and I won't say how long. I, sometimes I'm very open about this with with men. I know we're we're doing. There's probably millions of listeners, so I don't want to scandalize anyone. But um, but that was supposed to be funny. So. <laughs> No, I think you're correct. <laughs> so <laughs> there's nothing funny about that. <laughs> um, I had a great struggle, and I had a men's group one morning, and and at, and at the men's group, and I struggled before men's group, and and at the men's group, ah, we're all, and Dan, how are you doing? And I, I said, you know, guys, I'm not doing well at all right now, and I and I break down. I just share with these guys this struggle, this struggle with impurity that I had dealt with, and and it. Um, and in the men's group was an early morning, six, six to seven deal. And by seven fifteen, and, and there, there was this incredible, I'm talking to these guys, I'm, I'm weeping. Um, it was so hard for me because I can't believe I can send this man that loves St. Joseph, that loves uh, purity, that idea of chastity that has all these kids and a wife and I'm mentoring people. And I'm, and it's like, you are the biggest fraud and liar and, um, Oh, I was, I was pretty low. And then uh, there was this incredible freedom. As I spoke to these men, some of these men that I've mentored, and they were pretty overcome um, with, with my sharing. And, um, and they affirmed me and whatever. And I went straight. I, I texted a priest friend of mine. And I'm like, I need you now. And he was like, let's go. So, I mean, it's set. So seven, 10 after seven in the morning, I'm showing up and have maybe one of the most beautiful confessions of my life. Um, and I, I sat there and knelt in front of him and I said, I was sorry to Jesus. I, I felt like I was talking to Jesus for the first time. I struggle with being sorry for my sins. I think we all do. We, we confess the same sins over and over and over. And we're like, am I even sorry? I don't, I don't know, but, but you're going to confession. You're, you're, you are there vulnerably 
humbling yourself. And if you have struggled going to any certain priest because of that reason, go to that priest, all the more reason to humble yourself. Go to that priest. This is what he was made for. Um, and, and I looked at him and I just, and I, and I was weeping and I said, I'm so, I'm so sorry. And, um, oh, he, he shared with me that it was such a moment of grace for him. Uh, it was so beautiful. And I, my prayer was answered. I was sorry for my sin. And I've sinned again since. And it's just like, but I, but I was, the gift was that I was sorry. And I just kept going back, kept going back, kept getting up. And later on that day, about noon, and I, it was a very emotional morning. I, I went from very low place um, to, I felt like if I died, I would see the face of God. I, I, I felt so <laughs> forgiven and so sorry. Uh, it, it was a great gift of mercy for, from the Lord. And a friend calls me and, and, and says, how are you doing? And, and I said, you know, I'm doing good. And we share a lot of our struggles, all different types of struggles back and forth. And I start sharing and, and, and I told him that I had struggled and, and I started to tell him the story of the grace and I mean, we're both, I'm on the phone. I I'm still an emotional wreck. This is at noon. And and I was now I'm, now I'm having a glorious day at work. And after being in the dumps, the Lord just totally revives me. Uh, and I feel like I'm worth something and there's a chance and I'm going to just keep getting back up and, 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 and proclaiming God over all of it. And he, we talked for 45 minutes and we're crying. He's like, he's a mess. I'm a mess. And he goes, Dan, do you know why? And he called me. And now here's the great story, a, a part of the story. I called, we, we talk a lot. And I called him one time and he didn't answer. And I didn't think anything of it. A couple of days later, we talked and he said, uh, I owe you an apology. I said, what for? He said, you called me the other day. And I was afraid to answer the phone. I was ashamed of myself and didn't didn't feel worthy to even talk to you. And I was like, whoa, but you never, you know, and he, and he was like, I was, I was hiding, hiding in my shame. And um, I mean, if he's hiding from me, he's certainly at some level hiding from God. And that's why it's so important that we can share with one another more than that's why we go to confession. We need that physical face, you know, God, we can't see him. And um, so anyways, 45 minutes go by this incredible, I mean, we're both crying our eyes out the whole time. He goes, do you know why I called you? I said, and I start laughing. I'm like, this was an hour ago. Why did you call me? <laughs> he said, I called you to ask you for some advice on how to be a chaste man. Hmm. Wow. And I just, again, I lost it. I'm like, who am I? <laughs> who am I to even talk about this? And, and, and it's like, but, but in that fall and in that, uh, visit with the Lord. And then in that reception of his grace, that's what chastity is. Uh, chastity is not. And again, this is from the same guy. We, we talked about this uh, today, even chastity is not a, a, two guys walk into a bar and, a, and, a, and the most strikingly beautiful woman in the world walks in and one guy doesn't even notice her. He sees her, but doesn't even notice her. The other guy is like, whoa, incredible beauty. And, and, and maybe even, looking at her again and he's like, you know, and he's, and he's praying about this and he doesn't want to lust over this woman and he, you know, they're done and they've had their drinks and they go home and he's struggling 
He doesn't want to sin against the Lord or against this woman in any way, but she was so beautiful and he's contemplating this beauty. But And then he prays and he says, Lord, just help me go to sleep. And he goes to sleep. Now, who's the more chaste man? It's this man that recognized the beauty of God. The man that didn't even recognize God, God's beauty, he's... There's no chastity there. There's a blindness there. It's like God wants us to see all of his creation. And what we do with that is so incredibly important. And we're all going to struggle with it. I mean, maybe some people don't, but I haven't met anyone yet that probably hasn't. Um, so yeah, just great stories of, of beautiful, you know. And, and that's the thing. What makes me great, and, and, I, and I can relate to people, I mean, what makes me great at talking about brokenness is because I'm broken. And I've, I've got some stories that'll make you blush. Um, and I'm not proud of them. At the end of the story, it's God redeeming me. It's God uh, fulfilling his promise. And, and, and there's some really, really awesome stories I've shared with confirmation classes. It, it talks and uh, it, it, they're, they're the the beginning the end of every beautiful story that brings tears to my eyes and sometimes brings tears to other people's eyes the beginning of every story like that is a real bad fall and then there's this redemption look what god did for me and uh so to, to the man that's like i'm a fraud no you're a son of god you know pick yourself up uh go go Go, go to that confessional again over and over and over. Keep going. And even if you don't feel it, uh, even if you don't, you, you, you know, you don't, you don't feel like you mean it. Um, I, I was sharing this uh, with, with a, a couple guys the other day. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're the pursuer. The man is the pursuer. And I'm like, hey, honey, what do you think? I'm tired. Okay. Okay. All right. Or, hey, honey, what do you think? I'm tired. Okay. I love you. Bless her. And I roll over frustrated. One night, two nights, three nights in a row. Keeps happening. I'll get good at that one of these days. I'm still frustrated uh, to a degree, but she's not carrying the, my burden. She's not carrying any of that. She's not, she's not created to carry that. She's not made for it. But if I can be like, okay, I love you. And she can't sense anything. Like eventually I'll roll over and just praise God. And the frustration will go away. And I will learn how to be perfect self-gift. One little moment at a time. And that's the same thing with going to confession over and over and over. Uh, you know, there's, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, we're, we're we are, we're works in progress. So. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, amen. Awesome. Thanks for coming, Dan. Great, you, man. Great to be here. Yeah. Stuff, man. So, Jim, do we have anything coming up in the future here? Uh, I was just looking about? at that. Um, I know they have the the Newman Center uh, program Saturday, this Saturday before the high state Penn State game. Oh yeah, uh, coming up here. So I know John's excited about that. I got all kinds of fun stuff and firewood splitting and rock building and rock ball or whatever he calls it. And great, I don't know, maybe food. great. Food. <laughs> food. You're cooking, aren't you? 
I've got 200 buns sitting like 10 feet from me for this. <laughs> you've ever had and brats and it's going to be a good time. So yeah, we got that coming up Saturday. Also coming up uh, the Advent hike on December 17th. So we'll have more information about that at Clear Creek uh, there in Sugar Grove area. Have a work weekend at St. Martin de Porres retreat house. So Wilderness Outreach will be going there and doing some work for them and helping out. Um, I think that's all the things coming up for right now, but we do ask everyone to like, follow, subscribe, share all that good stuff and uh, help us reach more guys with this message. And, you know, especially like what Dan said, you know, it's, it's the more that we can communicate with one another, the better, because it's the devil who tempts us to sin and then tells us to be quiet about it. So we need to, we need to talk with each other about this and help one another. So, so we need you to help us with liking, subscribing, sharing all that good stuff. I like that. Good work. Like that tie in. <laughs> yeah. Good work. You want to take us out with the prayers that you were late and all that? Wow. I get punished for this, huh? <laughs> no, I thought good, Dan, that's a blessing. Who started okay, Dan the, who started with, out, the, yeah. with a good yeah, St. Joseph prayer? Yeah. You know what? I've got, I've got, one. I'll just grab one. That's the one. I might, I might screw up a St. Joseph prayer that we pray every night, but we'll, we'll try it in the name of the father, son, and Holy spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Heavenly father for this, for this day and, and for this night. And we ask you to, uh, to just guard us and protect us and give us the, the courage and strength to continue to walk with you and, and, uh, and to live, to live in accordance with your will. Um, we ask for mother Mary's intercession, uh, as she loves on us. And, and we ask in a special way for St. Joseph's intercession. Uh, Oh, St. Joseph, whose protection is so great. So strong, so prompt before the throne of God, I place in you all my interests and desires. O St. Joseph, do assist me by your powerful intercession and, and obtain for me through your divine Son all spiritual blessings through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that having engaged here below your heavenly power, I may offer all my thanksgiving and homage to the most loving of fathers. O St. Joseph, I dare not approach like... Or, how did that go there? Uh, o St. Joseph, I dare not approach while... What white Jesus reposes near your heart. Press him in my name and kiss his fine head for me and ask him to return the kiss when I draw my dying breath. St. Joseph, patron saint of departing souls, pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for us. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That was awesome. Ah, oh, my favorite image. Europe.